You are listening to the Niches and Leashes podcast. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone uh, out there who identifies as neither one of those things. It is your host with the most, your favorite dominant, uh, Remy Thane here with another episode of Niches and Leashes. And I have with me my co-producer and partner in crime, Maddie. How's it going? As our guest. Sorry, I spoke over you. Just say that again as if I didn't interrupt you. Oh, I'm just saying, how's it going, everybody? My name is Maddie. There we go. And then we have our guest, Seeker. Hello. Uh, that was cute. All right. So for all intents and purposes, uh, full disclosure, I do have a prior professional relationship not just with Maddie, but with Seeker before. They were a guest at Sake, and now they work for me. Um, and they're really fucking cool. But I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions about uh, the lifestyle and what you've gone through, what you both have gone through, as if I don't know anything about you, because I forgot everything you guys told me anyway. <laughs> okay. So this is going to be really good. Um, all right. So this particular episode, I want to put an emphasis on... Not just being a submissive male in the scene, but an Asian submissive male in the scene um, because of culture, because of upbringing, uh, class status and things like that, as well as all the stereotypes that come with being an Asian male, but also submissive. Um, another thing that I'm doing for this particular podcast is I have my um, IG live going on as well as my Discord live going on for all my Patreon followers. So if there's any questions that come up, you guys on there can ask me and I will ask them and I will uh, hopefully we can get an answer. Um, and not just because I'm probably going to run out of questions and content, so I need to handicap with you guys. Thank you. All right. So the first thing I want to do is introduce Seeker. And please tell me how you identify us when it comes to the kink scene. Hi, um, Remy. Thank you for the introduction. And thank you to the two of you for having me here. Uh, as we all know, my name is Seeker. And I do typically kind of like, I think of myself, I do think of myself as a switch. However, I am also very sub leaning. So I guess we can start off with that, really. Sweet. So when it comes to being, what did you discover first that you were top first, a sub first, or just a switch? You just knew outright that you were a switch. I kind of just knew outright that I was a switch because I was like, for me back then, uh, I definitely assumed where I was like, you know what? I feel like just being one or the other. Like specifically just that and nothing else seems a little, it did seem a little lackluster. I was like, you know, why do, why focus on one when I can focus on both? Nice. So you want to, okay. And you enjoy like both sides of things, right? Very much so. What particular part of submission and dominance do you uh, like about it? Ooh, um, in terms of dominance, it is just having, you know, a small sense of control because part of my life, I do feel like I have no sense of control over. Mm -hmm. So then it just feels nice to be able to have something that, you know, you can take control of and just be communicative and be assertive. I, I dig that. Be unapologetically yourself. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I dig that. And what about the other side? So this is also like this is like the exact opposite of the coin, <laughs> because there there is that part where, <clears throat> okay, so this is going back to uh, 
high school. In high school, and this does also kind of carry over, I have that tendency to just put on a lot on my plate. Oh, okay. And uh, it is just like, there's just so much going on. So many people have like different expectations of me. It does feel nice to be able to like just let everything go. It's like the other side of me per se. Like even um, some of my friends, vanilla friends, they are... They see me as like the person who, you know, like we got to get this done. I'm like usually the one trying to kind of like, what is the word for it? Like set the pace for everything. But then like for me to like give up that pace per se, I'm just like, yeah, like it's just nice. It is a bit more freeing. It's not as stressful as, you know, just being the one in control all the time. Mm. I cannot stop. Wanting to need control. That's my problem. <laughs> I, I feel like this is a common thread with a lot of subs. Um, on our day-to-day lives where there's a lot of demand on us to take charge. There's a lot of demand for us to, um, I guess, lead. Uh, when it comes to kink, when it comes to the release, uh, giving up the control is a way... Um, to kind of counterbalance that stress from our day to day lives, would that be a good way to explain what I mean? Yeah, you just you just shortened everything I said into that one <laughs> sentence, pretty much. Really, I've been doing this for a decade. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but you discovered that in high school, though, right? Yeah, okay. uh, my senior year of high school, I was a completely different person. Uh, well, wait, Maddie, when did you discover your submissiveness? Was it high school or earlier? Honestly, I think it was way earlier and, but that kind of just came with my sexual awakening too anyways. Oh, around puberty time. Get into detail about that right now. (laughs) Well, I mean, I just noticed, you know, I've noticed different things about girls than other guys do, right? Like Like, your feet. Like feet. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You know, like... And, you know, being guys, we talk about girls and stuff. And all the guys are talking about, oh, yeah, did you see blah, blah, blah. She has such a cute face. Or her smile is blah, blah, blah. Or like, hey, she got big boobs. And I'm just sitting there like, yo, I like those shoes, girl. (laughs) You know, like, I think her feet is hot. And then I can't say it because I realize how much of a quote unquote weirdo I would be in day-to-day life. So I just keep a lot of it to myself. And it just kind of brewed up inside and kind of grow into the sub that I am. Um, and then, like I said, you know, like on my day-to-day life, I was um, very in charge because I work with all guys. I kind of, you know, yeah. have a certain expectation that I have to hold up to. So um, when I get to play, when I get to sub, it's like the complete counterbalance of that. And it just, it makes me feel... Like I said earlier, like unapologetically myself. (laughs) I love that. That's good. So you discovered it early on. Yours was high school. It's 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 always different for everyone. I know some like we were talking to Amaya the other time, and she knew she was a top, or I think a switch since like elementary, like super early on. Sexual awakening too. Then yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, like it's interesting, and I I do want to like iterate that. A lot of what this comes out of doesn't necessarily come out of trauma. Like no one like put you in this in a box and then like beat you over the head with something like a dildo and like <laughs> and then you're like, Oh, I grew up and I'm like 
changed. Like, no, like it kind of just naturally go into it. Um, so when it came to, when you knew that you were a switch and you wanted to find experience as a submissive, how did you go about it? Like, what was your journey in doing that? Uh, admittedly, I did not have that many resources that were openly available. It was either I just, there was just nothing around me or I wasn't, I didn't know where to look mm. up until I would say uh, towards like the middle of 2021, really. Uh, thank you, Reddit, for this. <laughs> there Ooh, was Reddit. There was a Reddit thread about an AMXF uh, Kingsters Discord server. And I joined that. Wait, wait, what? AMXF. Can you explain that, please? Yeah. Uh, so it's, we've kind of like seen the, you know, like AMWF, stuff like yes. that, Asian male, white female. So what is that? Uh, AMXF is Asian male, like any female. Oh, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's like, yeah. <laughs> okay, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, so there was a, uh, it was like AMXF Kingsters or something like that. And I... When I joined that server, I have met my partner, absolutely love her, mm -hmm. as well as a very close friend of mine. And both of them were the ones who kind of introduced me into the scene. Uh, we, I remember we were, because we would spend up until like, what, 2 a.m., 3 a.m. in the morning just talking. And I expressed my interest, but I just wasn't too sure how to go about it. And then uh, Shiki told me about local dungeons. And I was like, I'm sorry, what did you say? <laughs> Wait, let's take a step back. Where did you meet Shiki? And everything was all on Discord. So this is from the AMXF Discord server and she just happened to be on there. That is correct, yeah. Okay. Uh, did you want to give a shout out to Shiki and your loved one? Yes, I would love to give a shout out to Shiki for introducing me to the scenes, bringing me into the folds of sake, I have a Our huge, <laughs> I have such a huge respect for Shiki because yeah. um, I've learned so much from her mm. and just bless her soul. Definitely. Uh, full disclosure for our audiences out there and everyone watching me right now. Shiki brought a lot of like young perverts into <laughs> sake. Oh yeah. Like totally. a ton. Totally. Like without her, I don't think we'd have as many, um, Dirty fucking people, honestly. Like, so thank, mm -hmm. thank God for her. Um, so you met them on Reddit, uh, then Discord through Reddit. The, like, the it was like a link on Reddit that I just kind of clicked. I'm like, oh, uh, here's the invite link for the server. Just make sure you're verified and you're good to go. Nice. And then the conversation. I'm assuming. Um, how do you flirt online like that to the point where you're like, oh yeah, there's a dungeon here, or I'm interested in you, like. Because usually, like, um, <laughs> I haven't dirty talked through text since high school. And for all of our viewers who are younger than me, that shit is, like, 20 years ago. Like, <laughs> long time. Oh, man. I don't... So, Shiki and I have talked about this. Yeah. We have no idea how the three of us just became close mm -hmm. in the way that we did. Uh, with my partner, um, literally the second day that we were talking on VC, I was like, hey, bitch, how you doing? And she was just like, excuse me? And I was like, no, no, no. You're like, I, I say that as like a friendly way. And yeah. it just kind of blossomed from there, really. In terms of uh, how we got together and started talking about, um, you know, going to dungeons and stuff. 
I expressed to my partner about uh, interests. Like uh, I told her, yeah, I'm a switch, but I just don't have, I don't know where to be able to find more information about this. I'm aware that this is a kink, uh, pretty much like a kink server, but I'm not really that close enough to be able to, you know, really talk to anybody besides you about it. And obviously, because like we're long distance, it is a little tricky sometimes. Shiki, uh, I remember we, oh my God, we were like just having a simple discussion and Shiki was like talking about like, oh yeah, like I know like these, these dungeons in the area, would you be interested in wanting to go and check it out? Yeah. And I don't think I've ever uh, said yes any faster in my life before to anything else. Just because it's such like a brand new, it was such a brand new thing to me. And I was like, oh yeah, hell yeah, fucking sign me up, I will go. (laughs) So, um, so like all gross perverts on the internet, (laughs) uh, you were young, you discovered it, you went on the internet, discovered even more gross things that are sexual in nature, and then a stranger from the internet took you to a strange place. Is that what I'm hearing? (laughs) I mean, when you put it that way, okay. <laughs> you broke every single rule of don't talk to strangers yeah. and to, don't take Katie from strangers. Pretty much, but, I'll I mean, admit. That's a business, though. Though, like, they tell you not to get in the, the cars of strangers, but you got fucking Uber and Lyft and all that. And that's true. Right? Sometimes Uber I walk, in, I go into a car without even knowing, and I'm like, all right, move. And I mean, they're like, who like, are you? I'm like, oh, you're giving Amazon drivers your address. Yeah. Uh, but no, that's I, I think that's really uh, on a serious note. In case no one knows what sarcasm is or is unable to. <laughs> Uh, process that I am kidding um, when it comes to like now to get a little bit serious so how did she describe the dungeon that she was going to take you to am I allowed to say the name of the place or maybe not um is it our place or someone else's place uh sake was actually technically the second dungeon I've ever been to oh man I wanted to be the first it's okay uh, <laughs> I'm okay with cro- like uh, as as we always say with me and Maddie between personally as well as like sake's uh rule set for leadership we don't talk trash about other dungeons um or anything like that so as far as like advertising is concerned like that's totally cool with me and that is your experience like i like i've had bad experiences and good experiences in almost all dungeons so it doesn't matter we all like pretty much met yeah. at dungeons right yeah, like, we all pretty much yeah so okay. um so yeah what was your first dungeon experience uh my first dungeon experience was a little nerve-wracking mm-hmm. the place was very quiet it was like kind of like not like library quiet but um it was just like it had a very serious tone for it and one of the first things i noticed was that i was the only asian uh male bingo this is yeah i was like I, I remember telling Sheik, i was like yeah like it was a little weird being like the only asian male there so Back then, that was my, uh, that was actually kind of like my perception of it. Yeah. I just thought like, you know, like maybe Asian males just aren't kinky in general. Yeah. Um, that's <laughs> and then I met Sake and then everything changed. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally changed. <laughs> um, now I want to talk about that. Like, cause uh, as we talked about previously before for all my Patreon viewers who were there for the first episode, um, <laughs> <laughs> for those who are listening, I, I shook my fingers together for money signs. Anyways, um, when you went in the scene, you were the only Asian dude. And I'm pointing at Maddie. Yep. When I was there, I was the only Asian dude. And then when you were there, you were the only Asian dude. And as we both all talk about, like when we go to Sake, it's nothing but Asian people because it's Asian centered. 
so it, it's a completely different like feeling to be around uh people who are similar to you uh, uh physically wise and like looks wise and even culture wise too um it feels a little cold and alienating when you're just the only face at any place it's very strange i i just find it so fascinating like you in i don't know what your first dungeon is mine was in new york yours is in la yeah and i don't know if you guys are the same first dungeon but we literally had the same experience yeah. coast to coast that's crazy and huh? also like that is crazy how, when 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 did you go to your first dungeon uh around the fall of 2021 different years the fall of, was that covid that was uh, after that, COVID already. That, yeah, that, I think that was when like when things were kind of like semi opening up. Okay. Because then we had like different variants coming through and like okay. kind of fucking us all over. Because when you said the fall of COVID, are. it made it was like <laughs> the fall of COVID. Um, no, yeah, no, because my so that was a few years ago. Mine was over a decade ago. Yours was, over, was a over a decade ago. Yeah, so like on the East Coast, different coasts, different decades and years, same fucking same experience. experience. That's fascinating. That is yeah, it's crazy, fucking crazy actually. Um, I don't think it's gonna change. Unless, of course, all these wonderful viewers out here advertise for sake and let all the Asians know where to hang out. Um, so we're we're literally breaking a trend here. So just think about it. Trend. All the newbies for the first time yeah. that's coming out and they're coming to the sake dungeon, their experience is forever different than our experiences. Yeah. And that's I, I, cool. I don't want to be that old curmudgeon who's all like, well, you kids have it easy these days. It's like, <laughs> well, that's the fucking job of old people to make it easier for the next generation. So like, that means I'm, we're doing our job. We're doing our fucking job as old people. Yeah. Uh, I will say this. <laughs> Respect your elders, by the way, everybody. <laughs> I will definitely say this. The two of you have definitely shaped a very nice community. Um, you know, Sake was the second dungeon and it was the second time actually going to any dungeon. And I remember it was just my first party there. It was just so much fun. Uh, the vibe was so much more different. And again, just like seeing so many like more Asians in one spot, it was actually really relieving to see. Do, which one was your first party for you? Cause I don't remember. Uh, Oh my god. Um it had to have been oh, I'm sorry, second party. <laughs> well, first, first party, party was Sake, had Sake, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> uh it was I really want to say it was the November party of 2021. November what theme was that? Do you remember? I think it was it might have been the high fantasy because I wore cat ears and a tail. Okay, then it was a high fantasy one. Okay. Yeah. All right. I I wore, I wore like cat ears and a tail that at that party. Um, and for our viewers, just for their information, was it a cattail you tied or cattail you plugged? <laughs> it was a cattail I tied. It went around my waist. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> but yeah, it was also that party where I did discover I have, um, I do kind of like sub pretty easily depending on who I'm playing with. Real quick. We have one quick question that I would love to answer from the audience. Um, is the event only for Asians from DAF underscore Kim? And the answer is no. We are Asian oriented, but we are not Asian exclusive. We want everyone to join us whenever they can and have fun with us and have a home. The only thing we are exclusive towards or gatekeep from are piece of shit assholes, pretty much. If you're going to be a dick, you're going to be a creep, we're going to kick you out immediately. 
if you're going to say something uncomfortable to any guest, it doesn't matter if you're Asian or any color, any career, whatever, I will kick you out. No questions asked. Don't want to bother with it. So literally off the camera, right before we started recording, we were just having this conversation about, you know, not wanting to be an exclusive space yes. because I've mm -hmm. grown up around all different types of people and I'm like happy with, you know, yeah. everybody. I, I don't see a reason why it should be exclusive. We are empowering for Asians, but we are not exclusive. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, and that's another thing too. Like, um, I grew up in Long Beach. Uh, for those who don't know, Long Beach is, I think, either the the uh, the number one or the second most diverse city in the world. Last time I checked, um, just on cultural like cultures alone. So like everyone hung out with everyone. I never just hung out with exclusively like Asians. It was Samoans, Blacks, Hispanics, um, other different kinds of other different kinds of everybody. Like it was really neat. So when I went into the King scene and I was the only Asian person there. I was like, huh, maybe we do need an Asian exclusive space. Like, why am I the only <laughs> one looking like me? But then later, once like you showed up and like Yoshi and everyone else, and then we started sake and all that. And now, I don't know, like, I want to keep bringing that to philosophy over where it's like, again, we're not Asian exclusive. I want everyone to have fun, but obviously, I want to save space for like um, Asian folks as much as possible. So I will admit, with that, um, you know, saying that you kind of grew up in a diverse area, uh, I will admit, um, the only diversity I really saw in my friend groups were just like, we were just diverse in the sense that we were just different Asians. <laughs> we had about like one or two non-Asian friends in our friend group. Mm -hmm. So I think in that sense, like when I went to my first party and seeing that I was the only Asian male, it did throw me off because I'm just, I, w I was used to being surrounded by Asians. Do you mind telling the listeners what area uh, and your experiences in growing up in that area is it a very asian heavily populated area is it i would say it is um decently mixed it is like while it is majority asian i would say like if i were to like try and put like a rough balance i would say it would probably be like um like what 65 percent like 65 70 percent asian oh, and that's, then like that's actually pretty yeah it's yeah. it's big but like it's not that big to the point where it's like in one school you're only gonna see like one white person okay so basically you grew up in a place where some asians eat noodles like this and some asians eat noodles like that <laughs> <laughs> like, that's, a, that's, a that's what i'm hearing yeah, right now yeah, pretty much but yeah it was just like i in my area i'm just i am used to seeing a lot of asians yeah. but like you know going to going to my first dungeon i was like uh where are all the asians at no same. <laughs> i remember like being i forgot it was which dungeon it was it was either sanctuary or threshold i think it was sanctuary but i remember just walking around looking around and be like hmm one is not like the other, and that's me. <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting. Um, so when you found sake, because I want to hype us up and, you know, I'm obviously biased towards our group. Of course. What was, like, when you had that experience of seeing, like, other people like you of all genders and of all different kinds of Asians and, and the play space itself, like, what was going through your mind at the time? Holy and shit. And then meeting us for the very first time. I was like, holy shit, this place is amazing. I want to come back. Aww. It was just, uh, it was a lot more open, you know, and like compared to, uh, you already said it, uh, my first dungeon w uh, party was at Threshold, uh, but like compared to like uh, Sake, it was, it just felt more open. The ambiance was a lot more kind of like, we're here to hype people up. We're here to like, make sure that everybody has fun. Mm. 
and it just seemed like everybody granted i did tend i did tend to like stick to uh shiki more often of course because you knew her she was Somebody familiar face. familiar yeah. yeah like i i think besides shiki i knew nobody else and uh it was it just felt more open uh it just it just felt more inviting that's, you know, that's the, uh, again, that's kind of atmosphere we always try to like put out there. Cause as you, you know, we all know, like every other dungeon for the most part is, I don't want to say quiet, but they definitely are more reserved in the way that their play spaces work. And that, I don't know. It feel, a lot of the times when I go, it feels clicky. Yes. Like it feels very clicky. I don't get to meet the host. I don't get to know who the DJ is. I don't get to see who the performers are. I don't get to interact with anybody. Like a lot of times people just kind of stay with themselves. And that, that was, so I'm not going to name the dungeon, but you guys already said the name, uh, same dungeon. And, uh, my first party in LA, I went out to, there was, I think it was like 16 people. They all know each other. I walk in, I try to be friendly, say hi to people. And other than the pleasant hi, I just pretty much got ignored the entire night. And mm. I didn't want to attribute it to, you know, me being Asian or anything like that. But I just noticed how clicky the entire group was. Everybody knew each other. And I was the outsider kind of showing up, right? Yeah. And they didn't know who I was. They didn't know how much experience I have in the King scene or anything. It turned me off so much that I actually stopped going to party for a while. And I just stayed in the industry in terms of like kink filming and stuff like that. And it wasn't for like two years before I started sake mm-hmm. after that. And I never want to have anybody experience something like that. It just, it felt so like you're on the outside yeah. and unwelcome. It's very alienating to yeah, say the alienating, least. that's the word. So then question for you, Maddie, would you say that was kind of like the driving force behind you starting sake? Um... Well, sake was like a happy where all the stars all aligned, you know, it wasn't something that I had off the top of my mind. Like, this is my goal. This is like a problem I want to solve. It was more of a, I went out to a munch and I ran into, uh, Yoshi and then Yoshi, Yoshi, yeah, invited me to go to a dungeon at the time that was, um, Bordello of Decadence. Oh, so I went out to Bordello. Oh, Bordello. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, all right, sure, why not? So I went out to Bordello, and that's where I met Sumi. I don't think you've met Sumi before. Yeah, Sumi Can't was gone by the time. Yeah. So it was like a series of happy accident that just kind of all fell in line, and all the stars aligned. Where from there, me, Sumi, and Yoshi, we were talking about, hey, is there a Asian munch here? And there wasn't. So I started the Asian Munch, the Los Angeles Asians Munch on FetLife. And it just kind of grew from there and, and just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And then somewhere along the lines, I met Remy. Same thing through Yoshi. Yep. So it wasn't like I came out here trying to put a team together yeah. to build this. It was just a series of things that happened. Okay. Yeah. yeah. We honestly, like we've had a, an amazing uh, series of winning strokes and luck, like yeah. in terms of that. Yeah. Um, it's it's interesting. Like we don't plan, we never plan for it to be more than a munch, like or then more than a small party, more than a big party. I don't plan on us making millions of dollars every year, but if it happens, oh my god, um, that'd be great. <laughs> also, let's go. I'm glad you asked questions. So anytime you have questions for us too, like I want it to be interactive as well. No worries on that. Um, 
so so that was your first experience with us. So like, and, and actually meeting the host of the party. I forgot how I introduced myself to you. Uh, you zapped me in the nipple. So we the first time I dis- the first the very first time I actually met you was um, at a kickback. Kickback. When did we do that? It was before my first sake party. I think it was in October. Oh wait, uh, that was a uh, yeah. I, I know which kickback you're talking about now. Yes, yeah. yes, 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 yes. Because uh, I had a slight interest in electro play. Yes, and uh, I remember you were kind of showing me the different implements and how they were used, and you kind of like went over, and then you kind of like, oh yeah, and this one does this, and you kind of like poked me in the nipple with it. And you later apologize. You're like, oh, shoot, I'm so sorry. I should have asked. And I was just too busy laughing. Oh, yeah. I remember. <laughs> do I remember? I think I do. I'm trying to think about the kickback because it was a it was a, like a friendly kickback mm-hmm. uh, among. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> now he remembers. I remember that. shit. <laughs> so what I remember you the most uh, is your primal play. That was like oh etched my in my mind. <laughs> like, because I'm in the play? DJ cage and I've seen this guy like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, yo, that's so cool. And it is like forever etched in my mind. Oh my That's God. how I remember you. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. I never remember how I meet, meet someone the first time. I usually remember, like, if it's kink, I usually remember, like, what kind of play we did. And the ones I remember the most from us, other than like ordering you around now that you work for sake. Um, is pretty much breaking those rulers on your butt. Especially because <laughs> so they said, oh, he can't be able to break this shit. And I fucking did. In one swing. One swing. Do you want to tell? It's on my this, Instagram. It's a good story. Let's tell, let's tell everybody okay, about so, it. Okay, uh, so this was, <laughs> yeah, so one of the, God, we love to have hedonistic fun there. Um, one of the things you wanted to do, I remember the first thing we did that was etched in my mind was when we saran wrapped you to the stripper pole. Oh. It was thick. And then with Bubble your wrap. permission, <laughs> you gave people paddles and things to hit your butt with just to see if like you could feel anything. And people were hitting and then it was my turn. And I think I used my frying pan. You did. And so I have this thick fucking frying pan and I am like, all right, well, I obviously don't want to hurt you because I know that, it's a fucking frying pan and like you're not a heavy bottom at least not now that i know at the time no (laughs) and so and it's saran wrap it's not that much cushion you know it's fucking saran wraps but i didn't realize how thick it was so like i let's do some asmr like like i smacked (laughs) and then you're like no nothing i'm like oh okay bitch you want to go i was like all right i'm gonna go a little bit harder all right and then you're like yeah yeah, go harder so i was like i swung even harder and then you're like nothing and i'm like oh shit this is like this is really thick and I smacked again. Like, I think I smacked like five, six times and you felt nothing. It was 150 square feet of bubble wrap. Oh my God. I could not feel <laughs> Wait, anything. was it bubble wrap or saran wrap? It was bubble wrap. Bubble wrap. Okay, I was yeah. wrong. It was bubble wrap. I could not feel anything. That's awesome. I was literally telling people, just take all your stress out and hit me like a pinata. <laughs> and I felt nothing <laughs> for about 10, 15 minutes. And then when the bubble started popping, I was like, okay, I'm feeling something now. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. And then um, the the next few times during the when the party was like closing down and we were more free, I th- you were saying you wanted you want me to hit you with a ruler and try to break it. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I think 
I think you and like four or five other people like, oh, he can't break the ruler, right? I think I was just more nervous. Okay. Because it just looked like it it would have hurt. I mean, yeah, usually when you break things, you apply <laughs> so much pressure, it hurts. But did it hurt when I broke it over you? Uh, The first time, no. The second time with the, uh, the, the thicker, thicker one. The thicker yeah. one, oh yeah, that one stung. Okay, well, let's talk about the weaker one, the thinner one, and then we'll talk about the big one. Uh, we always start small and then we grow big here. Uh, <laughs> oh so gosh. with a thinner like ruler, I remember you guys like, oh, like, uh, Remy can't break it in one go. It's gonna take at least two, and like challenge accepted. Like, bitch, I work out. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Like, I do this for a living. Um, but I remember I have it on video on my Instagram. That was the second time, actually. That was the second time. That was the second time. You only videotaped that one. Uh, the first time. I later told you about it, yeah. and you were like, "Ah, oh, shit, we should have recorded, recorded that." Yeah, that's right. So. Anyways, so uh, as of no recording, like I took one swing, it broke, and went, ooh, we broke it. And then like pieces were flying everywhere. And that was like six months ago, four months ago? Uh, I'd say six, because I found pieces of it on the stage yeah. last party. <laughs> <laughs> so like there's so many pieces, like we're still finding pieces in, like, in the dungeon, even though we thought we cleaned up. And then the second time, you, you brought a thicker one, and you're like, do you think this is going to be harder to break? And I'm like, hmm. Just a little bit. First try. First try. I'll first get it on first try. try. And then everyone's like, oh, you're not going to get it on the first try, Randy. Ooh. And I was like, okay, we'll see. That shit. Now, that video is on my Instagram. Um, but I remember that. And, you know, obviously you want to warm up and make sure you're, like, you're feeling it. And that way it's not just like a cold hit to start off with. But I thought I warmed you up pretty well. And I was like, all right, we're doing this shit right fucking now. And then I took one big swing as if I was golfing. And then, and it just broke in pieces. And I love that. I have one of the corner pieces and I actually got Remy to sign it just last month. <laughs> we should have it framed. Oh yeah, definitely. Also, I will say, I think the first time it just did not hurt as much because I was wearing jeans that night. Oh yeah. You were wearing thick. You couldn't even feel it because you were wearing yeah, actual I felt, pants. I felt like the impact, but I didn't feel like the lasting effects of it. Um... <laughs> Actually, I would love to go over like your your favorite scenes that you've done like so far. Oh, okay. If, if you're if no, you're no, okay no, with no. talking yeah, about, yeah, I'm, talk, I'm just like trying to remember um, which yeah. ones were my favorite. Yeah. At least one of them. Oh, right now? Yes. <laughs> I was like waiting for a prompt. <laughs> no, no, because like I have other questions, and I, I know we should um, organize this a little bit better. We are talking about your. Um, uh, your history and your experience with sake. So we're just going to talk about your experience playing at sake and one of your favorite scenes. And then I want to go into details of like everyone's kinks because I feel that's worth exploring. Um, but we'll do that after we do a little commercial break. So right now, I want to hear about your favorite kink scene from both of you guys. Like, I would love to know. Yeah, I thought we were going to do commercial break right now. Um, no, no, no. I want to do it after this. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, oh, shit. My favorite scene. Um, don't hate me for this. I will say one of my favorite scenes actually did not happen at Sake. It happened at another dungeon. Okay, stop right there. <laughs> <laughs> but no, no, it was, no. no, please, please speak on it. I it was just because it was like one of the, uh, the most intensive ones that I've ever had. And, Ooh. uh, that was the one where I found out where I go into subspace, I go feral. Oh, okay. Like, I, I want to hear this I shit. Start, Let's go. Uh, I got pinned down by two people. And just absolutely tickled senseless. 
And when you say going feral, like, what do you mean? My head was going side to side. I was like trying to bite the person who was like pinning me down from like above me. Okay. And she just gave me like a swift slap to the face. And I like snapped back to reality. And when the scene continued, I just went right back into it. (laughs) Do you not like getting slapped in the face? Is that not a thing for you? I think it was more of the shock factor. Okay. At that time. Because I would say some people who get slapped in the face like that shit. So they probably just go more feral. uh, Well, like I think it was because like that was right. uh, For me, I felt like right at the kind of like dipping my toes. Or like just stepping into the pool of subspace, really. And because of that slap, it just brought me back to reality just as quick. And then when the scene continued on a little bit longer, I just went nonverbal. That is mm. interesting. So, hmm. well, because like you were being tickled to death, <laughs> um, when it, I didn't even touch you and you're laughing already. Um, <laughs> <laughs> look at that. Um, so with being tickled at, at a dungeon, because we were talking about how quiet it normally is and clicky. Did you find that when you did do that scene, that people were getting mad at you or like disappointed or disturbed by it. So the part of my brain that was, that was working. Yes. And that was like aware. I was just like, I remember just like, as I'm getting tickled, there was like that small part of me was like, Oh shoot. I feel I am being loud. Cause I was yelling. Does that like take you out of the scene though? I imagine it does. Well, uh, I wouldn't say like, if I do become aware of it and I, yeah. it is something that I, I have like, I try to like quiet myself down just a little bit. But then it is kind of like that. There's two parts of me that are just kind of like wrestling. It was like, no, just let everything go. Don't give a shit about everybody else. You're focusing on your scene right now. That's me. Yeah. Yeah. That's me, yeah. <laughs> and then there's like that other part of me is like to be respectful of, um, you know, other people who are having a scene. Maybe they want like a more sensual scene. Maybe like, yeah, let's like, let's just bring it down just a few notches. Mm. See, that's why I'm kind of glad we have the two spaces for our dungeon. So if you want something sensual, just go to the other side. So prior to us getting using both sides, yeah. opening up, um, there's always like a kind of a back and forth, right? Like the music's too loud or yeah. the music's not loud mm-hmm. enough. It's like the music's too chill, the music's it's too high, yeah. the whatever, whatever, you know? Because everybody has a different mindset and yeah. different mood that they want to be in when they're playing, right? Some people like it, like it, it's a party. Yeah, we're here to party. Let's get it on. <laughs> And other people, you know, they like to be nice and slow and sensual and, you know, stare deeply into somebody's eyes and you don't want like dubstep in the background. And you're like, you know, trying to do that. So it's really hard. You know, you want to like find the ground where everybody is happy and everybody uh, can do what they want. Now with the dungeon having both sides now, we get the best of both worlds, yep, right? We exactly. get our party party side. And if you want to be chill and be in the cuddle puddle and you, you have a side for that. Yeah. Like, just depending um, on what mood you're in. Yeah. I'm so glad we, we do that now. That way I don't want to hear any stupid fucking per. Also, I'm of the <laughs> philosophy that the customer is not always right. Fuck that shit. I've been in food service. Okay. No, you, you know, y'all know. Um, so now that we're opening up both sides, it kind of solved a lot of our problems when it, when it came to that. Mm. So if you want a certain scene and I don't want to hear someone complain and be like, the music's like, I can't focus on the loud side. Then, okay, go to yeah, the quiet side. side. Yeah. Like, well, the quiet side doesn't, I don't know. It's too quiet. Okay. Go to the loud go side. Home. <laughs> the side. Just go home. <laughs> I will say this as like a person who has done scenes in both of the warehouses, it is very freeing. 
because now you have that option of like you can be as loud as you want or you can be as quiet as you want and not have to worry about mm-hmm. other scenes being too loud and i actually i figured that was a smart move to make i think that cuddle puddle it was like an ingenious idea it oh, solved so many you. problems thank all you. at once like all right read i'm gonna totally gonna stroke my ego right fucking now are you yeah. sure it's just your ego you're stroking? Oh man, I'm stroking. I'm using <laughs> everything. I'm using my fucking toes. Um, no, but like when we had the quiet side, I was like, we need a cuddle bottle. Yeah. Like, and I gotta tell you, finding fucking blankets and pillows that were like puffy and in abundance is super fucking hard. Like I cannot tell you how many like stupid Goodwills, uh, thrift store. Like I had to go through like eight different cities. And 10 different, 20 different stores to find one kind of specific blanket I really needed for that stupid cuddle puddle. Oh my God. Okay. It was a fucking arduous quest because each store only had like one thick blanket that was really like full of cotton and shit and like wasn't thin and like made by someone's grandma from like the 1920s. Like, <laughs> okay. Fucking arduous. So prior to that cuddle puddle, we had a mattress, right? Yes. And. It was it was literally just a piece of mattress that's on like some like mats or foam or whatever, and people would spend hours and hours and oh hours on there. So we already know like okay, there is a need like people need. love to have like an aftercare area, but how do we make something like that happen? And with the foam, with the 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 build up foam, oh, with dude, yeah, the yeah. pillows and stuff, and now we actually got plushies. Oh, that's another thing we too. For everyone now. listening, like we added a bunch of plushies, so yeah. now we have so many like plushie dolls people can use. We should tag them though, so that way we don't lose them. People walk away with them. How do you tag? Uh, we have our stickers. It's stickers, but and, also we, like, and then we put them on the little. Um, the, all the dolls have tags on. Them oh, okay, anyway. yeah. and you, you also just need to like make sure that whoever is watching that warehouse knows uh what plushies are out in the open yeah right because okay. uh some dungeons they have like their own aftercare rooms mm. and they have like assorted plushies but while they are there's only like a few of them they're very they stand out a lot so if anybody right. were to like walk around with them people would immediately know it's that dungeons okay well we have to do something so i'm gonna more. donate that bear oh donate that shit i have some plushies that, well no i i'm not gonna donate my plushies actually <laughs> i collect <laughs> For those who don't know, I collect uh, Muppet plushies. Oh, really? I fucking love the Muppets. Okay. That is my jam. I know the Rainbow Connection song by heart. Wow. And most of the films. And books. Nice. Okay, okay, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so that's kind of the new addition. We got rid of the mattress. And in place of the mattress now, we have a... How would you explain it? A kink? We have a, a BDSM bed. Yeah. That also doubles as a, um, oh my God, a sex swing? Swing. The swing of sorts? Kind of, sort of, didn't work. Like, yeah. It's like, uh, kind of like a, a weird suspension. Suspension yeah. bed. I don't know. Like you eat someone up while they're, I don't know. It's weird. Um, <laughs> so that. So that's cool. Um, I can't wait to like reupholster that one too, make it more of our colors. Mm. All right. So. We talked about your favorite scene. You went feral and nuts and you disturbed everyone else's scene in that place. <laughs> Perfect. Awesome. I love it. No regrets. No regrets. Your favorite scene, Maddie. Um, I mean, everything's my favorite scene because we like do the same joke. thing we like. <laughs> no, but okay. So as far as going into subspace, the last time I went into subspace was on the flame cage. Um, I was playing with somebody. I didn't get the permission, so I'm not going to name her name. 
she basically was on top of me and she started like licking me like all over the place. And she's like licking me in places that I never got licked before. And I'm just like, oh, oh shit. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> it got to the point where I like fell into subspace and like I started drooling. Like just I'm like face down in the cage and like just drooling, like lost control of my body. So that was an amazing scene, but I don't want to say it was my favorite scene because it actually, it was an exploratory scene. So top five scene you've been in. Yeah. yeah. But the best scenes is just getting trampled out. I mean, I do it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> just so this, that's what I'm happy is. You look like you, you're in heaven. Yeah. yeah. I've heaven. watched you and yeah. you're just... You're just your face is just it's full of bliss. Yeah. Speaking of you, because know, you talk about drooling all over the furniture, this is why we clean up after <laughs> ourselves. Yes, I definitely, okay. definitely clean it up. Clean yourselves up before um, and after. Before and after. So I can't like give you like yeah. a top five because I mean then I'm gonna have to start like naming five girls. <laughs> so, oh. <laughs> just, I mean, you know, but just in general, like I have something <laughs> specifically very niche that I like. And if I could find somebody to play with, that'd be great. It's all it's working perfect. Yeah. Nice. I love that. That's so good. What's my favorite scene? Um, every time the check yeah. clears in my bank account, that <laughs> shit just turns me on so hard. Let's go Findom. We got some Findom shit up in here. <laughs> There's a Findom. Um, so, okay. So we're going on commercial break. So we'll take it real quick. Um, I'm going to continue talking with my IG people. And then when we return, like, Let's fuck. Let's talk about these kinks and like how you guys discovered them and like what your expectations are of the scene, what you wanted to get out of it, and, and how you see it in the future, and what we can do to make it better for everybody. Uh, Asians first, and then everyone else second. <laughs> <laughs> Again, sarcasm. All right, we are gone in three, two, one, and here we go. Our sponsor today is Sake, your local neighborhood kink group that runs its own dungeon, has its own classes and parties and events on a monthly basis. You can find our munches every third Thursday for networking and friendship, as well as our parties every fourth Friday of each month. So if you're looking for a safe space to get weird, look no further and have no fear. But if you can't make it and want to support us elsewhere, we do have our own Etsy this time, which you can find on sakeofficial.etsy.com. And don't forget to use the discount code Niches and Leashes to get your discount on all website products. So huge shout out and big thank you to Sake for keeping the lights on and the cameras rolling for Niches and Leashes. And we're back. So uh, I kind of want to uh, go back. I, I know it's kind of like a cold start, but I do want to talk about upbringing and how that affects us uh, as kinksters and things like that. Especially when it comes to, for the most part, being in a an Asian family that is conservative of sorts. I know that you guys have that experience. Um, I don't. My experience is quite different. But I want to talk about yours in particular. So, Seeker, do you mind talking about the, the conservative upbringing that you were with and how it was challenging as a kingster? Ooh. Um, so... I have the uh, stereotypical Asian family where they're just like uh, homophobic. They want people. They're you're just, they're just like no, like uh, you can feel free to do what you can choose whatever you want to do. Oh, but not that you can't do that. You have to be this. I'm like then there's no choice. Mm. Uh, so yeah, uh, very like the stereotypical Asians. 
homophobic, slightly racist. Uh, also, like they they give you the quote unquote freedom of choice as to like what you want to be in career wise, and they when you tell them, they're just like, no, don't do that. Let me guess: when you want to do art, and they're like, you are not going to make any money off of art. Exactly. Yeah. Engineer, doctor, or business. Uh, computers. Computers. Yeah. It's fucking computers, it's like, I swear. It's always computers. You computers. Either doctor, like that, lawyer, one. engineer. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so, like, in terms of, like, obviously, like, there's just a lot of things I don't really tell them. And it does get very tricky to hide stuff from them. Um, I'm not going to lie. I am pretty convinced that my grandfather thinks I'm a stripper. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. Because he's like, you're coming home late at night. What are you doing? Dancing for money? Uh- <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I mean, as a matter of fact, <laughs> yeah, like you're kind of a human pinata of sorts. So, like, uh, I mean, I'm there for people's amusement. <laughs> you were on the stripper pole. But yeah, you were on, I the pole. Was on the stripper pole. pole. Literally <laughs> on the pole. But yeah, it was just, um, it was just, it, it, it's hard to like kind of hide this stuff, especially because yeah. like I know how straight laced they are. Yeah. So, um, yeah, obviously, like, there's a lot of things I don't tell them, and being kinky is definitely one of them that I will never tell them. Yeah. Uh-huh. We have almost the same exact um, story, like, really? like upbringing. It's the same thing. My my family is super conservative, and you know, same thing. They want you to go to Harvard or Stanford, you know, like one of those. But I'm like, well, I am not smart enough for that kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so same thing. They want me to be a lawyer. They want me to be a doctor or at least an engineer, a business, you know, something like that. And um, and I just, yeah, it's like one of those like you do not date until you're until college. you're married, yeah, until you're married. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, you don't date until you're married that's such horseshit. and then all of a sudden like they're asking when are you gonna get married i'm like okay well you know to marry i need to date but yeah. you're not yeah. letting me, you're you're not letting me date till i'm married <laughs> so of course i there's no way i was gonna tell them about king so i had to hide everything thank god for the internet you know and so i'm kind of curious how you guys like hide things because this could be good information for people out there who need to hide things as well, as far as tips are concerned. Keep everything online, you know, just like so, like no physical like evidence. Yeah. So okay. no, no toys. That's why, like, I had no toys for the longest time because it's just, like I'm afraid, you know, parents are gonna go through my room or whatever. <laughs> What's this ball gag? What the fuck is this? You know, like, why do you have so much rope in your room? Oh, this, yeah, I, I, this is to help me like get better like jaw definition. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's like it's like those face rollers, you know. <laughs> it's a it's, it's a gym equipment, <laughs> you know, like. So yeah, oh, yeah, that would be nuts. So yeah. I didn't have any, and I was shocked. Like, cause I've known Asians, like girls that would tell, "Oh yeah, my mom knows I'm into this shit." I'm like, "What? Really? Like, and you're I'm, still I'm alive? How? Yeah. You know, like you're still alive? How?" Shout out to my homegirl in New York. Like, she mm-hmm. was straight up with. I was shocked. Like, she was like, "Yeah, I tell my mom." It's like, "Oh, okay, cool." Well, that's. That was, yeah. I'm kind of curious. What kind of Asian was she? She's Cantonese. Cantonese. Yeah. Those damn Cantonese. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, what about same thing. You? So same thing you would say. I, I've had to kept as much as I could online. I, obviously, like most of my uh, talks and stuff have always been through Discord. Um, in terms of toys and stuff, I've actually had to ask Remy to hold on to some of my stuff for me because I had family coming over who were notorious for snooping through my room. Oh, oh yeah. Oh. When you would tell me about that story, it was, it was it horrifying. Was, it was traumatic yeah. it was stressful i honestly had no idea what to do at that time 
And my partner was like, why don't you just ask Remy, see if like he can hold on to your stuff for a few days. But yeah, um, literally everything I have, I shove it under my bed, underneath as far as that thing can go. So if anybody were to like try and flip something over, they just assume it's just like, uh, it's just like a bag or something. They're not gonna yeah. like they're not gonna go through the effort of like going down on, on their knees, reaching in and just like trying to like fish it out. out and, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that sucks. I remember. Yeah, like it felt it felt so weird. Like it felt great having like helping you keep your secret. Um, however, it does feel weird. Like yeah, I got family and shit that just snoops through your stuff. Like what kind of shit is that, man? Asian, I think a lot of conservative Asian parents has no like concept of privacy. Like you live under oh, my yeah. house, you are like almost like you are my property, kind of a deal. And it's just oh yeah, oh um, man. Yeah, like back when I um I dealt with the same thing. <laughs> back when I first started closing my door, uh, my grandfather got pissed. Mm. He was like, "Why do you close your door?" I'm like, "Well, it's because like, well, I am now more comfortable. I am parading around my room naked. I'm not sure you want to see that because I'm jerking off." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> see the shit grandpa <laughs> but it was just like i was like i just want some privacy here and there i don't really get any at school because i'm surrounded by my peers i don't really get any around the house because you guys are always home the only sense of privacy i have is the bathroom and i'm not too sure how i feel about that i just want some privacy in my own room and he literally just kind of scoffed and was like privacy what privacy yeah oh, God. And I, was like, I, I stared at him i was like what are you gonna do like tear down my door it's fucking weird right like well, since we're on the on privacy, let's talk about the way fucking China's fucking up everyone's privacy with I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> we're not gonna go there. Um Yeah, no, it's 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 heartbreaking to hear those kind of stories. Cause again, like I didn't grow up that way. Like for the most part, like my parents it was kind of a mix. Like as I as a kid, like they were like, Yeah, no, like you're in my house, these are my rules. But then as I got older, they're like, We you we know you're watching porn. We're not gonna go in there. Like, that's your room. It's, it's honestly, it's a blessing to have. Like, I think, I think you're more well adjusted for having parents like that. Oh man, yeah, right. Like, we have a lot of stuff. I mean, you could probably back me up on this that you yeah. have to like repress. You kind of have to like almost live yeah. a double life. And I think that actually maybe contributes a lot to my fear of getting out it. Oh yeah, to my peers yeah. and stuff like that too, right? Because I have such a traumatic experience with family and not accepting me. If, if I do this kind of yeah. stuff. So I don't know how my peers are going to accept me or not. And I'm definitely afraid of, you know, losing my vanilla friends if they find out like what kind of a freak I am. And is it going to be the biggest thing in the world? No, but I, you know, like I, I like to keep my vanilla friends vanilla. So that's why I take like being out in and all that stuff like super seriously. Super fucking serious. And yeah. I, I do want to speak on that very briefly for a moment. Um, however, someone just posted a thing, a quick thing. OMG, I have heard a story of my parents' friend actually tearing out the front door of their child. They took the front door and put it in the trash. Whoa, wow. That's a- yeah, I believe that. that. I totally believe that could happen. Yeah. Um, but Sorry, sorry, you were going to say uh, I was going to say, do you think this um, happens more to Asian kids? Or do you think like other like groups do the same thing or is this like a I like wanna, only asian thing i mean i want to say there's like there's always a crossover okay, like with, among like parents who think they own their children i mean right. for i guess for all intents and purposes they kind of do but as far as like invading someone's privacy in that kind of way i want to say it's for real asians like 
I'm going to blame Northerners for that. Us Southerners <laughs> don't do that shit. Well, it's like, I don't know. For me, like, I obviously, like, we can't speak for... We can't, other, obviously, yeah, we, we can't, can't speak, speak for, for other, like, other ethnicities. Uh, but, like, it does... I do seem to, like... Maybe it's because, like, I have... Majority of my friends are Asian friends. Yeah. Oh, like... We, we have a white person online, and they said conservative white people do this for sure. They do that. Yeah. They do the same thing. So, yeah, yeah, like, wow. Like, okay. As, like... Conservatives just do that shit, bro. <laughs> As like someone who's just like Asian, I don't feel like I can speak for other. Yeah. Like I also races. think we have very similar backgrounds because both our families are Taiwanese. I forgot about that. And yeah. <laughs> so maybe there's like a there's like a why we have such a similar background is because our families are actually from the same place too, yeah. right? Yeah. Ate the same at the same noodle shop and everything. Yeah. So I maybe would, that has something. I would to not do doubt it. it at this yeah. point. Um. Yeah, that's yeah, that's fucking crazy. I, I do want to talk about being outed because we had that previous. Con- Are you okay with me alluding to that? Yeah, conversation? that's fine. That's fine. We okay. can allude to it. See, consent. Okay. It's a thing. It's a thing. So being outed, it is horrifying, especially when you're someone who needs to have that double life because you can't quote live your truth and not have the fucking repercussions of it financially, emotionally, and mentally from family, friends, and more. You just can't do that. Um. And so I really hate it when someone is telling you or trying to force you to out yourself or they are like tiptoeing around outing you for you on your behalf to try to quote free you. I fucking hate that. No means no. Um, Especially like with these kind of stories where like you don't want to fuck up that family dynamic. Like it doesn't really matter. Like the cost of like living your freedom in that kind of way. Um, not on your terms, but someone else's terms, it's really fucked up. Like, I don't like that uh, whatsoever. So, like, one, the lesson I want to get out of this is, like, you really have to pick and choose your friends, especially in the scene, because you have to be so careful with your identity and who you share it with, especially when it comes to your personal life and the, the vanilla parts of it and your um, your work. Um, not everyone gets to have that... The, um, the freedom of being able to talk about their kinks openly with their family, with their friends, with their job. So perfect example, right? Some people as their professional job, they work with kids, you know, and it's like a, you know, you, you, it's a very big thing that you cannot like mix it to, right? You cannot be outed to parents that, hey, I'm teaching your kid, but I'm also, you know, kinky, mm, right? Yeah. yeah. And then uh, for other people, there's like a certain uh, professional image they have to uphold. Yep. Let's say you're some high-flying lawyer that like your your business is built upon your reputation, yeah. right? Um, so, so there's a lot of different reasons for why people – and some people just as simple as I'm not comfortable with it. Yeah. You know, I'm but- shy about it. It doesn't have to be a big thing. You just don't want to. Like, yeah. That, that's a good enough answer. You don't have to explain why you need to keep yourself safe. Yeah. I've actually had a situation kind of like happen once. So Ooh. the uh, the friend group that I used to hang out with, obviously, uh, I think it was like five of us. I only told two people that I was kinky because like I've known them the longest. And they were, uh, one of my friends was like, wait, why didn't you just tell everybody at once instead of like going up to us one by one? And I was like, because... You two are the ones that I've known the longest. You two are the ones that I'm like more comfortable with. I understand that the other people in the group are also my friends. However, I do not feel that I am as close with them as I am with you. And uh, this uh, this person just couldn't really seem to understand. 
like, well, but like this person said like that they were, um, that they were going through something as well. And I'm just like, cool. But that's like, that's while I, I respect and admire their bravery for doing that. That's just not something that I'm comfortable with. Yeah. And, uh, she just couldn't really seem to get that. People are stupid. Um, <laughs> God damn that. And that's the end of that. <laughs> yeah. No, like, I mean, I mean, just stupid. People are people stupid. That's the main thing. They, a lot of people don't have empathy or sympathy or any kind of compassion. They can't put themselves in someone else's shoes. Like, most people do that. I do that. You guys do. We all do that. I don't care who you are. Everyone does that. And it's difficult to um, train yourself on doing that to begin with. So I get where you're coming from, where she's coming from, but. When you try to tell someone on their high horse that I'm not comfortable with this and they think it's their moral um, prerogative to do that for you, like some kind of weird religious zealot, like on the other opposite of that spectrum, it's fucking crazy and annoying. And and, and the thing is this, a lot of it doesn't even stem from malicious intent either. Yep. A lot of it is just like they they feel like they were trying to help you to live your most genuine life without realizing the detriments that could happen yeah. um if you do unfortunately live your your best self right right and that's what tends to be the like that's actually what tends to be the most dangerous part yeah. not even from like a stranger outing you it's like it's a fucking friend yeah, yeah like uh, someone close to you yeah. that's the scariest part and that's also the most dangerous part because unfortunately society has certain expectation right society has been getting better yeah you know like just like 10 15 years ago most people are afraid to even come out as being gay Right. Oh yeah, and yeah. it has gotten a lot better within the last ten years, and kink is still kind of on the other side of the acceptability. We haven't gotten to the point where society can accept, you know, people just are all different and like different yeah. things. I mean, a lot of it has like due to conservative, you know, upbringings, religion, all yeah. of that. But maybe who do you think in the future it's gonna get better for no. us kinksters, or is it gonna forever so. be because he does deviance? Like, because when it comes to sexuality, a lot of times you are born that way. There is no choice, mm-hmm. um, and for a lot of identities and things like that, there's no like parades around feet. You know, <laughs> <laughs> there's people parading around. There's parading people parading around. around. Feet. <laughs> but, you know, like, well, you, you can't like wave a flag of like I like getting my ass beat. You know, like, uh, and get bruises. Like you can't do that. Uh, I okay. I feel like it's going to become a bit more socially acceptable, but in the yeah. form of memes. Oh yeah, as, as like that. as cringy as that sounds. Like you get like all these like uh, foot fetish memes, but like they kind of portray that in what I sense as like a negative light. Where like, oh, it's like kind of like and feel free to kind of like uh fill in on this one too maddie uh like all these memes are like you know like people with foot fetishes they're just kind of like no no not you kind of thing yeah so okay so i think the reason why there's so many memes about foot fetishes is actually because foot fetish is the most common it's the most common one yeah like that's why there is so many of them i gotta tell you guys i watch a lot of porn like <laughs> a lot. Foot job has been a thing that's like and I've noticed. Up. Like I've noticed on my normal hentai searches, as well as like big booty hoe shirt. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> but what I've seen, like as far as these like uh, kink videos, not even kink. They're not described as kink videos. They're just described as feet videos. Yeah. And it's always like across the board, Asian, white, black. Like it is every dude 
Quentin across Tar- the world. Quentin Tar- Oh my God, right? Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what's that website? Feet Finder? Feet Finder? Wait, is that what it's? I think that's the website, Feet Finder. Wait, what does that is do? There's a foot fetish tube, Feet Finder. I know all of them. Oh my God. <laughs> I, okay. If any, if any of these websites want to sponsor Niches and Leashes with Remy Thane, fucking do it. Um, so, yeah, no, I noticed that like, when it comes to foot fetish, it's the most popular one among like any ethnic group like whatsoever as far as like males. I don't know about females. I haven't seen that. But I've seen just males in general like flat out. Like that's a thing. Um, but you can't rally around behind that. So, like, But because it sticks out so much, it's like, you know, like the, the nail that sticks out. So everybody hammers on it, right? Yeah. yeah. So, so we just we kind of get the bad rib because of that. And then just... Because it's so popular, you're going to run into the people that are super creepy with it, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so they True. give us a really bad rep, you know? I, yeah, I mean, for every group there is, there's going to be assholes who misrepresent it, who are who are going to be the loudest and the most obnoxious about it. Um, <laughs> oh, dear Lord. <laughs> no, that, that's interesting. Yeah, I, it's one of the comments was, we should make a feet con trademark. Feet con. Feet con. Feet con. Feet con. So, <laughs> well, yeah, when it comes to being accepted, I feel like it will be more accepted. However, there's still going to be jobs where, like, flat out no. Like, if you work with kids, there's yeah. no fucking way yeah. you're going to talk about Absolutely it. Absolutely yeah. not. Like, uh, uh, history-wise, like, I used to work as a teacher. No fucking way would I have ever been more open about, like, me doing kink at right. all. Even if, it, even if I, like, emphasize the most artistic part of it, which is usually <laughs> kinbaku. However, it's like, it's kink. Flat out, no, you're going to get fired. So I never I never allowed myself to have the comfort of, I got to live my fucking life freedom. Like, no, like, I love teaching kids. Like, teaching kids is one of the most fulfilling jobs I've ever had. I'll tell you this. Yeah. Like, this is what I noticed about teachers. All the teachers that I know in my life. Like, teachers are, like, the most degenerate. They are. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. So let's talk about that real quick. 100%. Let's go. When I was teaching... And I was talking to other teachers. The things they would show me on their phones because they trusted me. They're like, oh, what do you think of my dick pic? <laughs> and I'm all like, uh, well, the lighting's good. Like, <laughs> to the it, listeners, oh my, my jaw god. dropped. Oh my god. <laughs> so like that shit happened like all the fucking time. And here's the thing, like everyone's a freak. Like your lawyers, your doctors, your bosses, your uh, cashier, your custodian, they all have fetishes. Like the amount, like when I was pro-doming, the amount of like lawyers that I was doming was quite a few, like female and male. Like the amount of like teachers and like doctors I was also doming for money. Also like very uh, wide ranging. Yeah. So like, I don't want to just call out only teachers. <laughs> like, like no, I want to call out everybody, like, everyone. Like the amount of people that come through our dungeon. Like I found this out later on. Like we have billionaires that come through our dungeon. Yeah. Like wait, what? Really? What? Billionaires. We, we got have, like. And there's this. There's the secrecy aspect of it. Yeah. Yes. And nobody it's, knows. No one knows. Unless you want to reveal yourself, yeah. right? And there's some people who, uh, I don't know. Like you said, there's creepy people who come in and like. They reveal a little too much their identity. I'm like, I didn't need to know that, dude. Like, don't tell me about your job. Like, I don't want to, I'm not going to name him, but there's this person who puts their face, their phone number on a card and their fet life. Everything all in one. And they use their real name on everything. And I'm like, wow, that's. But you know what? Some people are okay with it. They're okay with it. And that's yeah. cool. You that's know? Cool. 
it's shocked. Well, I guess what I'm trying to say is that it shocked me at like how much they were cool with it and they were trying to make an identity out of it. You know what I mean? I mean, I guess this is like one of those things that like, you know, if you want to jump in, like be an influencer or whatever in this field, like there's no turning back, right? No, there isn't. (laughs) (laughs) I was actually just about to ask you, Remy, because, you know, like you're putting your face out there, uh, TikTok, Instagram, even Patreon. So it's just like, you know, did you, when you first started like putting yourself out there, did you have any concerns? Did you have any like uh, second thoughts about wanting to do it and then when you started did you have second thoughts about like oh maybe this was a bad idea i have all the regrets right now um no i'm kidding so <laughs> it was fun there was a time it was a time when i decided to be uh, a sake leader actually right. or uh, los angeles munch leader so before i did it i was like there's career paths i don't want to get into in which if i were to out myself as kink there's probably no way i was going to get the job the door closes door closes you, immediately. yeah yeah Luckily for me, most of those jobs I don't really fucking want nor care for. And because I'm someone who always wants to be in control, like in my kink life and my vanilla life, I have I normally only take jobs in which I control my own like schedule, which I'm not going to talk about here because then it's you're going to I don't want to cross that vanilla and kink identity yet unless I get paid more for it, in which case I will. (laughs) Um, However, so because I only pick jobs that um, I, I allow myself to be my own boss. Okay. Then I had no risk of like, well, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna get outed or whatever. Like, and because I knew that sake needed a face, and that, or that I felt it needed a face, and I also felt that Spring Tiger Ryu, my sensei's a thing, like he needed a face for his dojo too, because like everyone else wasn't able to like be open about Kinbaku like at all. Um, like my sensei, he's like one of the uh, famous like Kinbaku uh, senseis. But you don't know what the fuck he looks like. Yeah. So like he like as far as like his outreach to make Kimbaku more well known and respected, not that big. But because I'm ready to like take that on and like be the face of it, it's easier for me to do more outreach and to do like performances on behalf of like the art of it as well as like kink. Because I I do feel like the people who want to be famous for this shit are usually assholes. Like normally, like only assholes and narcissists want to be famous for something right. for like no work or like a, a little effort. Usually, as as we can all see from like like fitness, fucking fitness influencers and like YouTubers <laughs> and shit like that. Right. So I don't want to say I felt like it was my duty to represent it in a better way, but I did feel like uh, I was running away from the responsibility of it because I know there's so many Asians out there, like Asian men who are seen or looked down on, uh, either if they're like. Uh, dominant or submissive like just flat out asian men are looked down on just flat out and so i thought i should do my part in making it not that way to show other like asian people out there there are people who are into the scene who are into these things who are not um well creepy asshole and douchebags and who are actually well respected in the scene and who are upcoming and they want to represent it the best way so this actually does lead to my second question yeah. for you public recognition yes has there ever been a time where, you know, you like say like, you know, you're just strolling around, you're, you're sitting down outside a restaurant, just casually eating lunch. And someone comes and is like, you're, you're like that, uh, Kim Baku guy. Yes. That's um, happened. That's happened. Oh, wow. It was weird. I, well, there's a, there's a couple <laughs> of specific points. Cause I don't think I'm well known. I don't think I'm famous. Like here's the thing too, about the kink scene for everyone out there. 
Anyone who's somebody is a very big fish in a very tiny pond. Like, just flat out. You, If you ask normal people, oh, who's this person? No one's going to give a shit. Like, nobody. Right. It's only in this within this tiny community. But if you ask, like, oh, do you know who LeBron James is? Fucking everybody knows. Right. Right? True. Right. Like Even it. people that don't watch basketball, right? I don't fucking watch basketball and I know that shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's how famous I want to get. Um, but no, so, like, I was in a party. This was a few years ago. I was with my paramour. And we were chilling. It was fucking crowded. All right. Like ass to ass, shoulders to shoulders. And it's relatively loud. Like there's music going on. And I hear someone say, is that Remy? But I don't think I'm famous or anything at all. Like not in this scene. So I thought they said someone else's name. So I just kept walking. And they're like, no, that is. This. And then like this lady was tapping me on my shoulder. And I was like, hello? She's like, you're Remy. And I go, yeah. And she goes, oh, my God. I follow your work all the damn time. Like, yeah. I felt like, like, you're such a great artist. Like, oh my God, I want to like tie with you. Like, I have so many questions about Kimaku. And I was like, that's crazy. Like, oh shit. I was like, and then I was like, well, like, so. <laughs> <laughs> immediately just switched right there. Yeah, just switch went right. like straight <laughs> to his head. Switch Dom mode. Um, you can see his ego just inflate right <laughs> then and there. <laughs> and one of, yeah, no. And then one of my other favorite ones is like, uh, people, when I do the TikTok stuff, there, there's people who travel from their state to California. <laughs> to go to sake parties and to like play with me and shit i've heard which is fucking crazy to me and it's yeah. awesome um and i think you had friends that heard of me right and yeah uh, you're like i know that guy <laughs> you're like yeah and like i've actually just uh i just met another person where they're like wait a second i followed this guy before he got nuked on tiktok yeah. That's so crazy. it was just uh because we were talking and at one point i was just like yeah like there, uh, Remy, he's like super cool. I explained like what you did, and he, my friend, was like, mm, "Sounds really familiar. Sounds like a sounds like a guy that I used to follow." I sent them your profile, and about like two hours later, they're like, "Wait, it's him!" <laughs> so I was like, it was, "It was just like, it does blow my mind about like how like you know sometimes we live in a small world." Oh, totally, yeah. But it's it's also like it's just mind blowing because like I've I'm, I actually do I'm very impressed by you know you take it upon yourself to like put yourself out there for other causes. And I don't know, for me, it's just impressive that you're, that you do that. Thank you. You know, without you, like sake would not be where we are. Yeah. Like I don't have the, I like without you, I think we would still be a munch to be honest. Thank you, man. Like there are so many coincidences that happened since joining and like taking the responsibility of it it's like, all the yeah. stars align it just well, you know <laughs> you remember that funny story i was at a random munch like two years ago or something like that i don't know i forgot where and but just talking to this dude from like washington and he's like oh yeah like, what's i'm like oh remy only do kimbaku and shit and he's like wait i heard of you <laughs> and I go, but you're from washington he goes like yeah i heard of you dude like what? i've seen you work and like we talk about like kimbaku and shit master k student i'm like Oh shit! Like it keeps it. Like it doesn't hit me. Like your reputation people, yeah. is spreading yeah. like yeah, it's, wildfire. It's weird. Like, yeah, I'm not used to that shit, dude. So I have a question: Do you ever regret doing it? No, uh, flat out no. Like I don't do anything that I I will th- regret. Okay. For those who don't know, and I think you guys do, like I, one of my tattoos on my right arm says "Don't think twice." Don't look back. Oh, shit. Oh. So I fucking live by that. So whatever I do, I either full ass it and 
if if it works it's great if it doesn't i fucking keep moving like right. that's it right okay. life's short you guys i mean that's kind of how we run sake right like we try new stuff all, all the time the, and yeah. they don't all you know they aren't all good ideas right we fail too and but more often than not like freaking the ideas we get are like hits and just everybody freaking loves it yeah so it's like like even the ideas that we have for sake that don't necessarily work out they don't bomb though yeah they don't they're not detrimental they don't bomb they don't make people like go like oh fuck i would never go to sake because that happened right or yeah just kind of take it in stride um thank you for the questions by the way of course i appreciate that like i i love the conversation it's a good conversation um I, yeah, like, I just, I want Asians to be represented better in the scene, flat out, uh, men and women. I want Asians to be better represented in everything. So, like, you guys know what I normally do in my video life with all the other shit I do. So, I try to be the, one of the best, if not the best at it. Um, I don't know if it's ego or something, but I don't know. I just, I want Asians to be better. It's the innate desire to please everybody. Oh, God, I just love pleasing everybody. <laughs> Anyways, so we're talking about growing up in a conservative family and hiding stuff. Um, to this day, I know that a lot of us, you guys have dual lives. Like, how is it? Sorry to, like, change the subject suddenly. No, you're good. Oh, yeah. But it's not about me. I <laughs> yeah. would love things to be about me, but it's about you guys. Um, how is the dual life thing going now? Like, now that you're working professionals, you've been in the scene for a little bit. Um, like, what how like is the stress still there is it just like a normal thing now like how does it work for you guys i think it's settled down for the most part like obviously uh no one in my work life knows about my extracurriculars um and you know like i have lovely partners um i am polyamorous so i uh you know, like, and they know. Um, there are some people amongst, like, my friends slash classmates that know, but that is because I am comfortable sharing that information with them. And I trust that they're not going to do anything to try and stab me in the back later. Oh, yeah. Oof, 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 oof. So, like, I, I do feel like uh, when I first joined, it was just absolute chaos because I did not know anybody. Uh, I only knew Shiki and I only knew my partner. And now it's just kind of evolved into this. Uh, I feel like I am part of this big kinky family. Yeah. Um, the big thing about this kink scene for, for people who don't know is found family. It's huge. Like we said a lot of times um, because of conservative families, because of people you cannot normally connect with on a normal level. Like you just have to do that with new people. Um, and hopefully those new people are good people. That's the hard part. What about you, Maddie? Uh, what do you mean? What's the like? Uh, to kind of like uh, rephrase Remy's questions. Like after spending all this time in the community, like how do you feel now as opposed to like when you first joined? Like especially living, you know, because like you have a professional life. Right. How do you feel about it now? Like, do you feel like it's balanced out? Did you find a way to balance it, or do you still feel like it's kind of like? on a scale and it could tip either way. So I think for myself and Remy, we're in a little bit more of a unique um, position because we are leading the groups, right? Yeah. Mm. So a lot of it is like, 
if I don't do this, nobody else is going to do this. Yeah. If we don't show up every month, if we don't, you know, show up for the party, nobody else is going to do it. But this is why I'm actually so happy that a lot of people volunteer like you oh guys. Oh, my God, yeah. Oh, my God. you guys, <laughs> you guys, like, once I get too old and tired and I can't, you know, do this stuff anymore or whatever, right? You guys are the people that are going to take over. You guys are the people that it's going to run sake. So it's really important for us to like start cultivating like the next generation and everything. And then it starts with getting familiarizing yourself with the community, being a part of the community, you know, learning the front desk, learning, you know, what DMing is. Like we're sorely in need of, you know, people with oh these God. talents yeah. and stuff. We've got some big shoes to fill, both yeah. you and Remy. So, I mean, I guess to answer your question, we are in a little bit more of a unique situation sure. than just to show up, you know, we yeah. were well, actually. Actually, to that point, too, and this is for everyone out there, like, if we don't do it, then someone else will, and most likely that person is going to be a douchebag. Fair point. Because a lot of these people who are because let's be honest like when you're the the idea of being a top or dominant or someone in power or in control is very attractive to people who don't have it crave it and don't respect it and so they take advantage of people which happens in the scene which we know of and heard of um so i i do want to say it's sort of a sense of responsibility to that like we want to put out fucking good vibes and a, a good community and um a good dungeon that listens to its people so a lot of people, um, they become group leaders or uh, months leaders or, you know, different like activity groups that's in the community purely, you know, because they want the clout, you know, they yeah. want to be like, I'm the leader of blah, 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 you know, this and that. Right. Um, I feel like what makes us unique is we didn't have that in mind in the beginning. It was just yeah. a bunch it was just a meetup you know it's just a meetup just to sit down and eat like there is no like leader yeah. you know for that and it kind of grew from that and it just kind of went from this organic route like i said you know all the yeah. stars align and this is how we ended up where we are and uh for the most part like i didn't want responsibility and to be any kind of leader i was fucking running away from that shit because like, <laughs> when you are when you or the uh, leader of a group or a dungeon or an event, the shit just comes from all sides, no matter like what you try or do. Yeah. And I, I hate dealing with that. People will talk shit. People talk shit. Oh my God. Just drama. Just yeah. like, you know, if, but I feel like that's kind of like, that's going to happen no matter what you do, kink or vanilla. Well, uh, that's true. But when it comes to the kink scene, because it's so small word gets around faster. Fair point. And, you could be one of those people in the scene who just minds their own business, goes to dungeon plays, goes away. Mm-hmm. However, if you're someone who's uh, findable and like constantly on and constantly throwing parties, it's a lot easier to just like point the finger or, like anything that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're, we're all humans, yeah. you know, like we, we make mistakes, you know, we, yeah, we absolutely 100%. make mistakes, but we get held to a different standard almost oh, yeah. because of what we're because we're quote unquote leaders right and i we always try our best you know to make everybody happy to make everybody comfortable but sometimes it's just like an impossible task (laughs) you know like like you said we uh, i forgot whose quote it was i think i know but i don't want to mention their name because they're a dick um (laughs) but like you can't please everybody but imagine how many people you could please by trying Mm. i gotta say it's a good quote I think it was said by an asshole, so I'm not going to say their name. Um, but, 
Yeah, it's kind of like that. Like now that we're at this point where we have you guys and we have the, the greater community saying how much we're awesome and cool and like we do a great job, that outweighs all the assholes who don't like us. So this kind of brings up to a question that I do have for the both of you as, you know, like as Asian males, kind of like this back to the whole topic of like this podcast um, as like Asian males who have like the stereotype of being submissive, mm. what like how challenging has it been with, first of all, you know, starting sake as like, you know, just a meetup for munches and stuff and then evolving like the issues that you guys have faced from then on up until now to like where sake is at currently oh man um do you want to start first uh no go ahead i feel like i talk too much <laughs> you are the host of this <laughs> podcast <laughs> <laughs> all right so uh general society in vanilla world like asian guys are looked down on no one wants to date an asian person right um flat out that's the truth okay <laughs> When it comes to kink, it's basically, it's a microcosm of the greater community. So it's just like even more apparent. Um, as I said earlier in our very first podcast, like the experience I had when it came to racism and prejudice from every other group in the kink scene was fucking horrendous. It almost turned me off to doing kink like flat out. Uh, the only reason why I stayed was because of Sensei. Like he basically learned Kimbaku made me stay in kink. Mm-hmm. Um, so... When it comes to like fighting, I think you said fighting the stereotypes, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I had mistresses come up to me and be like, oh, you must be submissive. And I'd be like, no, like I am not a submissive. Like, thank you for th- saying I'm like, you're so cute. You should be submissive. It would be like that, which is kind of like a backhanded compliment. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, thank you. You could have stopped at the first half. Like, right. why did you say the second half? Um, so. Again, being the only, like, I'd say the only Asian male dominant at the time going to these parties. That's when it kind of clicked for me where I'm like, well, uh, if I'm the first and I should fucking stay, like, I need to represent, like, I can't have these, like, all these other ethnic people and, like, white people and all these other groups, like, spit and look down on Asian men. Like, I got to represent. So I don't know if it was overcompensating, but then I ended up going more into dominance and topping like learning all the tools i could like all the tricks and like all that shit um the look of it too like training like i was already like training a lot but now like oh no now i gotta get like more rip now i gotta be even more strong because i gotta compensate for these assholes who don't have to work as hard um i gotta look even better so like the suits and shit getting them tailored like getting them like constantly clean and like looking fucking good when i go out um although to my benefit it was also partially like (sighs) dealing with all these other assholes like it's easy for like a bald guy with like a goatee and a leather (laughs) vest to be like oh i'm i'm like a master and then people like oh yeah because it's like normal but like not for an asian dude like you don't see that shit yeah yeah that's that's not my style anyway um God, you said overcoming them. Like, I'm trying to think of what else happened. But, dude, just also, like, the... And it, I wasn't just getting it from other dominas and dominants. It was also from other submissives, too. Like, there would be a... There's this one particular one who was a professional submissive, and she would ask my partner at the time these really fucking racist questions. Like, all the time. Like, are you with Remy because he's a lawyer or, like, a doctor? Is he one of those, like... 
Taiwanese like rich kids who's oh like like he's, he goes to uh. like does he drive you know it's like nah man like it was fucked up um <laughs> it would always come from there and then so it wasn't just like it was everybody dude is fucking crazy which is why like I, I could see a lot a lot of people like us like we get clicky because we don't want to fucking deal with that shit like why would why should we um, and this, and you would think in the kink scene, it would be more, um, what's the word? Friendly or accepting? Accepting. Yeah. It's not. I think it'd be more apparent because it's like uh, a, a, a smaller slash like, quote unquote, tightly knit group. Yeah. So I guess for me, uh, I got the perspective from the other side, right? As a submissive Asian guy, um, I'm submissive when it's play, you know, when it's time to have fun and play and get trampled on and get, you know, pushed around. But a lot of people take that with the stereotype that I am a pushover in my day-to-day life. Mm. So they would apply my kink dynamics to or, or they almost want to apply my kink dynamics to the wrong situation we're not playing they expect me to be a doormat um on the day-to-day life like people that i know from kink you know like outside they're like oh and a lot of times i guess i personally enable it too because i like joking around yeah. and you know like sorry you keep going you, you remind me of something yeah like like i'm joking around and i'm like yeah you know like punish me you know and stuff like that with like these friends but it gives them off the vibe that i am just in that submissive mode 24 7 but like mm-hmm. we kind of talked about in the beginning the reason i am a submissive in play is because in my day-to-day life i'm actually like really dominant yeah so it's almost like sometimes people can't compute that and that's the stereotype that i have to fight against as a submissive uh in play but not a submissive as a person yeah so you just reminded me like uh like standing up for oneself like i remember the uh the dominant was like oh you look cute why aren't you submissive (laughs) and like i remember but because you got to kind of be respectful of it so i was like thank you for Telling, uh, thank you for telling me I'm cute. However, I am a dominant. You have to address me as such. Like, I have to be more cocky, more assertive, assertive, and ma- more quote masculine than ever before. I've had someone like, <laughs> I've had someone say, "Remy, you think you're fucking better than me?" And I was like, "I am better than you." <laughs> like I ha- like, <laughs> like I just have to do that, um, because again, you don't see a lot of like Asian male dominance in the scene. Uh, at least not in the west coast i don't know about the east coast um so having and so a lot of what i have to say and do has to be um double or triple so then i wouldn't then i normally would not have to in a normal life but because it's in here and i have to like i guess protect our image or uphold our image a little bit more like i have to be even more assertive more aggressive more masculine about it um so it's a little annoying, but honestly, I, I like saying that shit to people anyway. It makes me happy. <laughs> so, it's, so it's kind of like what we said in the beginning where we're just trying to break trends here. Oh, mm. Wait, I thought I was a host. Why are you? Anyways. <laughs> 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 All right. So I'm taking your job. <laughs> oh, God. Another Asian person taking an American job. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> thank you. All right. 
So we talked about upbringing and fighting these like stereotypes and things like that. I do want to get in Q and A with everybody in the last fifteen minutes, like for sure. So since we're at one thirty-five, that gives us a few more minutes. I do want to talk about what you guys feel the scene is going to be in a few years. Now that you're in it, um, like, how do you think we can make it better and safer and just you know more open? Because I know people still look down on feet, even though it's one of the most popular like searched things in the world. Um, what can we do? I think what we have been doing here at Sake has been pretty good. Uh, I don't think we should be putting in effort to like make things like expedite ideas and concepts as to what we want to do with it because the progress that comes along, it's going to be at its own pace regardless. We can't force that. Right. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, maybe just like, I feel like for in the sense of sake, what we have is already unique enough and it's slowly starting to garner more attention from everybody else. So I think what we are doing right now is perfectly fine. So I, I actually don't uh, go to a lot of other events and parties anymore just because I, my bandwidth for doing things is only so much, right? Yeah. So I have nowhere that I can actually like compare to you know, other group or, or like to compare notes or talk to other people. So I actually really rely on you guys from, you know, when you interact with other groups and kind of report back on, Hey, what, you know, people are saying about us. Like mm -hmm. I wouldn't know until you guys tell me this. Cause like we're learning stuff. Uh, even like, um, you know, we're learning stuff. We're, we're getting input from guests, from volunteers, even from the, from leaders. And, you know, we're taking in that information. We're deciding what's best to do with it. And I feel like that is already, as I said earlier, that's already good enough. Not necessarily we have like these grand plans that we need to get done, but just like the small things because we're just building it up step by step. This is this is because we are organically growing, right? It's not mm -hmm. like we had an investor or anybody just like, you know, dump oh money God, in dude. and yeah. we want to point it in a certain direction. We're kind of just like figuring out as we go along. <laughs> Very much so, yeah. And, you know, luckily, like, we have a good way of leading or uh, discussing what our direction is and what we need to do um, just because we want to make sure that what we put into it is as pure as possible and positive as possible. Um, just because, you know, when you get investors involved, they want to do things their way, and usually it's not. It's in direct opposition to what... I want Sake to be, and, and Maddie does too. And believe us, we've had like oh, millionaires approach us like, hey, I could drop a couple of million. You can have your own dungeon off the bat, but they want like exclusive rights to like just show up with a big dick and like everybody has to, you mm. know. Yeah, yeah, yeah I've heard some yeah. stories about that. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we got approached by multiple yeah. investors to do this and we turn every single one of them down. Yeah, And we've even got approached by other groups who want to do a collab but from my experience, when we went and talked to them, I was like, that's great. No, no. That's like, like, that's like a, those are like all huge offers to turn down. So, uh, yeah, I you mean, know, props to you guys. I, if I took the money, like I could probably like quit my day job and just do this full time. And we, our, our dungeon would be like super furnished. But now you're at the, you have to yeah, kowtow yeah. to your investor, right? You have yeah. to, they got you by the balls. Yeah. I knew in that shit. Yeah, mm. so I'd rather just grow it slowly. Remy cows for nobody. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, all right. Thank you for all of that. Um, yeah, just it, it it gets gross in the scene. Like it's supposed to be fun and, you know, uh, sexual in nature and quote nasty. But that also invites a lot of weird fucking assholes who already have money, who already have power. And they just want to like facilitate that more. And they corrupt other people through that. Now, for everyone who's watching right now, if you have questions for a Q&A for, my, for myself, for Seeker, for Maddie, now's the time. Like if you have any Q&A about our experiences or what we're doing, I would love that. Um, but this is the Q&A portion. So, wow, my English is terrible. Portion, not Persian. Portion. Have fun with it. <laughs> have fun with it. All right. So, um, I don't want any dead air, so let's keep one more question for us. With keeping it safe, obviously not taking money from creeps and weirdos, uh, what else? And you said we're already doing great. So, mm-hmm. thank you for that. Actually, thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, I know people want us to franchise sake to like other places, but it's like, I, well, that was another thing too. People were like, why don't you go somewhere else and start another one? I'm like, well, I don't know anyone there. So I can't trust a person who's going to be in control of that to represent sake in the best way at all. And as I said, there's more creeps and assholes than there are good people. We run a, we run a really tight ship in terms of like who, who makes decisions yeah. and stuff like that. So right now we only have one so like a subsidiary or one we have like one subsidiary yeah, yeah. or or so chapter or i don't know okay. i don't know what the right word is uh in vegas but that's because he was with us uh since the beginning yeah. as a matter of fact he, he helped me found the los angeles asians nice yeah. but due to his personal life circumstance he had to move to las vegas so that is the reason why we have sake las vegas mm. But generally, we don't like to work with people that we don't trust, yeah. that we never met. Like our entire group, like everything we do is all in-house with yeah. people that we trust. Yeah. Completely understandable. Yeah. All right. So thank you for that. Thank you for answering my questions and all that. Um, this was a really fucking great conversation. Like I kind of want to do this again. Um, all right. Format. So we have a few questions right now. Uh, the first one, is there a dating app to find partners in kink? I have an answer. Do you guys have an answer? I do. You do? Uh, I do as well. Okay. We are probably going to say the same thing. Field. I was going to say Bloom. Bloom? Call her me. We don't have the same answer. All right. You you first. (laughs) So uh, I was actually introduced to Bloom recently. Um, While I'm not on there necessarily to date, I was on there to just check out. So Bloom has... uh, they have a thing where you can only like either say pass, you can pass or bud uh, five people per day okay. max. And uh, you know, they have their bio, they say what they're looking for. Some of them will say like, Oh yeah, I'm looking for um, a kinky relationship. I'm looking for something mm-hmm. else, but they also have a wide variety of, by the way, we're not sponsored by any of these. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're not sponsored, <laughs> but if they want to sponsor yeah. niches and leashes with Remy thing, they can. <laughs> But yeah, they also have like a variety of events that they can post online about, um, you know, uh, it, it, it doesn't even necessarily have to be kinky. It could be straight up vanilla. Like uh, sometimes I've seen like just uh, polyamorous uh, meetups and stuff like that. So I, I feel like I've seen, um, you know, there's quite a few events that have been very interesting and a lot of interesting people you can meet there. Cool. Sir, your experience with uh, dating. 
Oh, so I I guess I've been in the kink scene for a long time. So back in the days, I just looked it up right now. Call me apparently doesn't exist anymore. Oh. So my my info is like old, but back in the day, uh, Caller Me was before all the the, the apps for the phones yeah. came out. So it was like actually a website. You go there, you create a profile, and it's kind of like a swiping system too, just like Tinder. Mm. But instead, you click the next button, next next arrow, next arrow, next mm. arrow. If I remember correctly, back then the two founders of Call of Me had a fight or <laughs> like uh, had a bad breakup, and one of the founders owned. The site named callerme.com and then the other one that made the website had to change the name. And ever since they changed the name, I think it just kind of mm. disappeared. So I guess that's what happened to Caller Me. But for all the old school kinksters, that might ring a bell. Next question. Oh wait, you have a, you gotta you talk said, about uh, your field, right? Field, field. Oh shit. Field, yeah. See, this is why I don't remember anything. This is why you got the two of us here. <laughs> Thank you. See, one dominant needs the support of two submissives. <laughs> <laughs> Probably more. All right, uh, now field. Field I used fairly recently. I think it's the newest one. Field, F-E-E-L-D. Um, it is an app on the phone. I don't believe they have a website, but it's another one where you can find kinksters and polyamory people. However, just like any app out there, because it's a dating app, a lot of douchebags are on it, so you got to like really swipe the fuck out of it. Um, I've had some... some some success with it as far as like friendships and rope bunnies and relationships of sorts. So I like field, but that's just the experience I have. I don't know anyone else's experience. Okay. So real quick, I just found it. Caller me is not, does not exist anymore. They changed their name to callerspace.com and that is still working. Mm. That does sound a bit more inclusive. Yeah. Caller, I don't know why it just does. Caller space. So the way it works, you create a profile, you go in there, and then you could go to the next profile, next profile, next profile. So it's kind of like swiping, but without the without it being an app. Mm. Okay. Cool. Cool. All right. It was also okay, Cupid. I know it's not like kink specific but you can talk about king and polyamory yeah. and not have any issues so okay cupid's another good one so okay cupid is strong because it's tailored for the vanilla crowd but it lets you tag yourself as uh king friendly yep. and you answer all these questions and some of them are um kink questions right and okay like, so it puts you in through an algorithm that try to match you with other people that have the same interests that have the same uh and, and kink being one of them so in a roundabout way, you kind of could date in the King community by using um, vanilla app. Yeah, by using a vanilla app. You probably even do that on Plenty of Fish. I wouldn't even be surprised yeah. if that could happen. Yeah. yeah. Um, again, not sponsored by any of them, but if they wanted to, I will take their money. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Next question. Uh, we we did talk about this fairly recently, but if you have a different experience, that would be great. What's been one of the most memorable slash fun scenes you've had recently? Ooh. You are smiling way too hard. <laughs> yeah. Would so, you like to go first? Well, okay, this happened like last week or like four days ago. We, um, it was me and two other subs all servicing the same dom. Ooh. And... We came back from a rave and she was in a super dominant mood and she goes, all right, now you guys are going to shower me. You're gonna, you guys are going to wash me. 
So the three of us together literally did everything. Like she did not lift a single finger, did not like touch the four ones. Like she rolled me all the way to the bathroom. Um, yeah, so we stripped her naked, we put her in the tub, I scrubbed her feet. Of course, I, I got to scrub her feet and everybody <laughs> else, you know, like we washed her hair, like everything. We even brushed her teeth. It was it was a crazy experience. I never had a scene like that before. And it was like, whoa, whoa. I, I don't know where that came from, but I was like, wow. You were in heaven. Yeah, it was it was a it was a really fun scene. And, oh, and then she ended the night with I stepped in gum. You're gonna clean my shoes and I expect to get them back clean. And she just left it at my house. <laughs> She just took it back yesterday, like literally yesterday. Oh my god! We were in Taiwanese heaven. It's perfect. <laughs> yeah. So that's the most <laughs> recent scene that I had. That was like, what did I just do? That's dope. That's oh, dope. Man. Yourself? Uh, we are going to go into completely new territory for me. Um, hypnoplay. Oh. Uh, describe hypnoplay for our audience who doesn't know. It's. Even like I'm still very new to it, so I'm not too sure if I can like correctly provide a lot of information. But for me, it was um, I think it'd be better if I just kind of like described what happened. Please. Yeah. So I was uh, put into a trance, and uh, my partner already has uh, some triggers set for me. One of them being like this: there's a trigger that uh, where she does something to me, and then I will feel like a mental arousal and it just like builds up and up every time she uses that trigger and also i have been given uh, a an hfo uh which is like a hands-free orgasm and again it's like all like it can it can increase like it can help with physical arousal but for me like the hfo is like a mental orgasm mm. and like it just like with that pleasure trigger it just kept on going up and up and up to the point where I literally just like kind of like my brain was so fried. I was like so lightheaded. I was just like, holy shit, whatever this is, I'm digging it. Uh, that's that sounds amazing. Um, would you say HFO is like homeowners insurance? Um, anyways, <laughs> <laughs> not the homeowners association. <laughs> um, all right, let's see. Scene for me. What's my favorite scene I've done recently? Um, Gosh, I don't know. I just love, I love topping and I love dominating just flat out. I have another yardstick in my car. I don't know. Like, I just want more time to like play because right now, because of vanilla life and all my other responsibilities, it's hard for me to time fine for play. Um, so I want to get back into it. I want to do way more like Kimbaku photos. Um, that's what the rope social is for, right? Well, we'll see. We'll see. I don't want to. I don't want to. Here's. Oh, we should talk about that too. Yeah. Most people who get into the scene, they use it, the groups and the events as their personal playground. Uh-huh. I don't want to be that guy, but it sucks because like, I'm like the I, I'm the only like trusted male dominant, so everyone just wants to like play and shit. I'm like, and and as people that organize this, like we hardly get to play. We I like hardly, I hardly get it. to play. You know, yeah. that's why we have more volunteers. Yeah, yeah. thank you guys. <laughs> My next question: Hey, Maddie. Oops, whoa! Almost reported the wrong message. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Maddie, have you ever had one of those standing foot massages? Standing 
Foot massage. Oh, the one where uh, she steps on your back like that. I guess. I don't know anything about uh, feet. Yes, I have. But I don't derive as much pleasure from getting a massage with feet than if I like get to massage a pair of feet or get those feet in my face or have the person like, I guess, trample me. But on my back, it's like, eh. But like when you're trampling on my front, I can see you like tower over me and dominate over me. That's what like gets my rocks up. <laughs> so it's more of the uh, the POV. Yeah, the POV, like the feeling tiny and like feeling like the goddess like that's on me, like kind of bearing down on me, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, feeling completely submissive to that person. I love that. Oh, I am getting a private message in the Discord for a question. What is what's a scene that was disappointing? So, like the opposite question. Like, what's a disappointing oh, scene? Oh man! <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, so I will say this: this is uh, this is a lesson hard learned, and I learned it the hard way. Communicate and vet better. Oh. I'm, I'm going to start with that. That's really important. Yeah. Um, I I I know I told Remy about this. Uh, I had a scene at a dungeon once, and I did not communicate well enough, mm-hmm. nor did I. Um, say that I needed aftercare. Um, I did a scene with two people and my I should have realized the red flag first. That red flag was uh, one, of the, uh, one of the people did not seem interested in the scene at all. The other person just uh, was super excited and it seemed like she just wanted to be there to see it. Uh, it was an impact scene. I got hit in the taint like four times. Oh. And halfway through the scene, they kind of like kicked me out of the room. No aftercare, nothing. Oh, uh, okay. I dropped hard that night. Um, I think I like I dropped hard twice within like five minutes. I, I was like lying in bed. I was like crying because I was just, I just felt so shitty. Yeah. And then uh, my partner and my friend, they were like, we were all on a call and like they were trying to calm me down. I calmed down and two minutes later, I started crying and bawling again. Ugh, yeah. So lesson learned: communicate and vet, and you have to be insistent, like very insistent about what it is that you need mm-hmm. before, during, and after the scenes. Let that be a lesson, and I learned that the hard way. Good lesson. Uh, but, well, I don't per se have any bad scenes, but there's a lot of lessons from plays that I've done in the past, and I guess it's to say no to people that so it's a little bit unique in my situation because when i play with somebody a lot of the times other people jump in and like hey i want to try that too like you know i want to step i want to step on him too oh (laughs) that wax play looks really cool how do you do it can i you know and me being the sub i'm in this space where I don't want to be the one saying no. The dominant should be the one saying no. The dominant should be the one saying, you know, like, no, this is my scene. Yeah. Back, back up. Right. But I guess the person I play with, they don't usually communicate that either. So then it becomes like me playing with one person turns into a group scene that wasn't negotiated from the beginning. Ooh. Yeah. And. And so, like, instead of having just a person or maybe two people that I'm playing with, 
at one point I will have like four different girls all stepping on me at the same time. And I mean, I'm in heaven, but it's not fair to the dom that I'm playing with that's expecting some private time. So lesson learned, you know, in the future, I have to actually stand up and say, no, I could play with you later. I'm in the middle of the scene with this dom. If you would like to play, we can negotiate and play afterwards. And that's why we have rules about not interrupting scenes. Yes. <laughs> yes. We have one more question. It was in the very beginning. Let me find it if this damn thing would stop like resetting. <laughs> oh my God, it keeps resetting. This is really annoying. Um, okay, well, we got a new question. How do you figure out what aftercare you need? I think that's like really tailored to the individual. Like I get almost no aftercare and I'm totally cool with it because I just get thrashed by tr trampling and then we hug it and then that's it. I'm good. I jump back on a DJ decks, right? So I'm very low maintenance in terms of aftercare, but you're on the opposite end spectrum. Yeah. So, um, are you calling him needy? No, 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 no. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I mean, you want to be wrong. <laughs> uh, I feel like in terms of trying to find your own, like how aftercare suits you, kind of like what Maddie said, it is tailored to each individual person. A lot of it is, uh, unfortunately, it is going to be trial and error. Yeah. You can try something for aftercare, and if it doesn't work, you know, just try and find the next best thing. For me, it is um, feeling comfortable and safe with the person that I just had the scene with. Mm -hmm. You know, for me, I like being wrapped up in a blanket or, you know, like physical affection. Uh, water, hydrate, please. Oh my God. I get so dehydrated after a scene. Um, something to snack on. And, you know, just the close comfort of the person that I did the scene with or uh, a friend or partner and just knowing that I am safe. Mm. Like, I'm just letting my brain calm down from everything that just happened. I dig that. Um, for the most part, when it comes to aftercare, because this person says, I notice I drop hard after a scene, but I don't feel like I need anything in particular, nor does stuff like eating snacks help. So, in generally speaking, when it comes to aftercare, it comes in a couple of forms, either physical, mental, or emotional. So... Blankets are great. That's a physical part of it. Cuddling is great. Um, the other part of it, uh, well, snacks don't work for you, but they work for others. So like water, something sugary, Sour Patch Kids, like Reese's Pieces, something th something very sugary um, where you can fill up your, uh, I think your glucose needs as soon as you need it because your brain goes through it like a lot. And then there's the the mental needs, so like words of affirmation, um, just tenderness. Like the more extreme you go in a scene, the more tenderness you need with that scene is usually like the one for one. Um, so that's my advice. We had another question. It was from another person. They said like, what are tips for like finding your first dungeon, your first, uh, like trying to get your first experience out there? Oh, so I actually have a friend who was very interested in the kink scene. And um, she was like saying, oh yeah, like there's a munch nearby. Should I go and just like go in and introduce myself? And you know, that is a way to go about it. I feel like. It's fine if you really want to explore. But for me personally, because I was introduced to Munches and Dungeons with a friend. So for me, I would be a lot more comfortable like taking someone who is interested in the scene and bring them to the Munch first, you know, just so they can get a feel for it. So they don't necessarily have to play immediately. Take them to the Munch, uh, introduce them to some people, see how they feel about attending the party. Then we go from there. Actually, that's the same advice I would give. 
So unfortunately, not everybody has a kinky friend, right? Yeah. To out themselves. True. So if you don't have a kinky friend, my normal advice I give, if you're on my TikTok and follow all my videos, <laughs> is um, doing your homework, like either going to Munch or a dungeon. Um, if you go to a Munch, you introduce yourself, uh, you meet someone in a vanilla setting and try to be friendly and make friends. Um, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Depends on the crowd in which Munch you go to, in which area. Or you could just go straight to a dungeon and not talk to anybody and just check it out. You don't need to play. You don't need to do anything you don't want to do. Just see. Just follow the rules. Um, again, you don't have to play if you don't want to. Also, follow your so, guts. Follow your guts. So this is kind of cliche, uh, but FetLife, honestly, is the best place. FetLife is very good at certain things, and FetLife is very bad at certain things. <laughs> FetLife is very bad if you're on there trying to post classified to find people to play with. You will almost never be able to find anybody to play with. But people still try. People still send dick pics. And I have friends tell me about the massive amount of dick pics they get and expecting okay. to get play, right? And oh, they God. just completely get ignored. So FetLife, that's not how you use FetLife. That's how you use a munch. You go out to a munch. You meet the people at the munch. Make that personal connection and when you're comfortable with each other, then you go to a dungeon and you play. So FetLife is really bad at uh, being a dating website. But what is FetLife really good at? FetLife is really good at finding yep. these munches, finding the dungeons. So there's settings. You know, you could go to events when you set your uh, physical location. And it pulls up like every single event that's going like in on area. in like the, the like next 50 miles and you get to choose. So FetLife is really, really, really strong and really, really good in finding those events. So I employ you to go on to the events and do a little bit of homework, right? So normally like an event would be like, hey, this one is hosted. So let's take soccer, for example, right? This is Animal Farm hosted by Sake. And then generally in the descriptions, there will be links back to the sake page. So then you could click on the sake page to go find out a little bit more about what sake is about. Um, so on the bottom, I usually link Los Angeles Asian sake and Orange County Asian. So you could check any of those pages out yeah. um, to kind of vet, hey, is this, you know, dungeon good and bad? And just unfortunately, sometimes you just can't. Uh, really judge the dungeon until you go there in person. Some dungeons have really bad reps, but you wouldn't be able to find it on the events near me page or on their group page until you go and they're like, oh shit, this is sketch as fuck, right? Or in our case, you know, show up like, oh, this is so cool. Like, <laughs> where have this been all my life, right? So I employ you to, to use FetLife the way it's intended to be used. Thank you. That was really thorough. Um, next question. What's a munch? Oh, so do you guys mind if I just... I love yeah. the sound of my own voice. Take um, it. Munch. A munch is basically a vanilla get-together for kinksters to network, make friends, and to hang out. You basically get a feel for the local community uh, for the most part. Um, there's more munches in the coast than they're all on the, um, let's say, the Rust Belt and everything on the inside just because of the population. So if you don't see much in your area, it's probably because the kink scene isn't too big. They all probably do shit privately, just not publicly. Um, it's another thing you can search for uh, if you're on FetLife. All right. If there's no more questions in the next two minutes, we're going to shut this thing down because this was really awesome. And we're getting close to the two-hour mark. Yeah. Um, 
This was fucking awesome. Thank you guys for doing this. Like, Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, man. I want to get everyone's experience in. Like, I want to talk about this stuff and a wide variety of other things. Like, I want to do kink, niche culture, kink, niche culture, niche kink. So I got to find, like, a Trekkie right now, or, like a Renaissance Fair person <laughs> or a magician. Like, if I could, like, interview oh. a magician, that would be dope. Yeah. Like a female would, magician. That would oh be so dope. Mm. Just something. Uh, but I do want to do, like, uh, like an all-female like a femdom like Ooh. discussion. I think that'd be great, especially like Asian femdom and then black femdom and white femdom. Like I just want to get like all the backgrounds together uh, or one by one. That sounds you're, like you that sounds gonna, like a really good idea. Oh, I was going to say maybe we should reach out to some of the local LA femdom groups and see who wants to come on. That'd be dope. Yeah. All right. So, um I don't see any questions. So we're going to say goodnight and goodbye. Thank you for joining us over here. For all my listeners who are going to listen to this in the future, which would be now my past, thank you so much. I appreciate it. There's so many more episodes to come by, so many more people to speak to. I want to thank Maddie, my partner in crime, completely for doing this with me. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, this is this was amazing. I loved the conversation. Everything flowed like, super good. Thank you for coming. And I definitely want to thank Seeker for doing this and all of your work you do for sake. Thank you. Well, uh, like I said, thank you for inviting me here. And it is always a pleasure working with both of you. Thank you. All right, everybody. Stay kinky and freaky, but most of all, play safely. Everyone have a good night. <laughs>